You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. Come get up. Where I live. IGN Gamescoop. <laughs> I don't really understand. I don't, really? Is that not how it works? What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined this week by Greg Miller. Penguins are majestic. Justin Davis. Scoop. And very special guest, video game developer, Anthony Gallegos. Hello, everyone. Hey. Hey. joining us here. You're back. I'm back. You've been going a long time. It feels a lot longer than it's been. It, well, it does. It hasn't even been a year. Really? I'm saying it feels a lot longer. When yeah. did you leave? I left it was in like May? May of last year. Of last year. Oh, wow. So it hasn't even been a year, but it feels yeah. much longer than that. Anthony, it's been a dark time for all of us. Anthony left IGN to go make video games. He made a game called Daylight all on its own. Yeah, all by yeah, himself. I, it, well, with, the, with, the, with an awesome team, oh, you can got B-roll. That's awesome. Nagaransky yeah. <laughs> is king of the B-roll. <laughs> It'll be you out. You say anything, he'll have B-roll for It'll it. It'll be out uh, in April, so I'm, I'm really excited. Is he coming out for my birthday? For people to try it out. My birthday's in April. People to try it out. I don't want to say an exact date. Okay, well then. But it should, you should be able to play it on your birthday. Yeah, my Mostly because I'm, I'm really bad at keeping track of dates. <clears throat> I actually don't even know my own parents' birth dates. Terrible. Like, I always have to be reminded, so... I know I'm bad. Anyway, viewers, we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Five. We're going to talk about the well. It has a code name, you know. right? Yeah. We're talking about the biggest franchises of video games. But first, Sony finally unveiled this week its long rumored virtual reality headset, codenamed Project Morpheus. Greg, yeah. you've used it. The next generation sat on my face. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. Tell us. I, about it. I mean, it's a lot like Oculus Rift. 
I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a sleeker yeah. design than Oculus Rift. Uh, Just it, like the hardware of it? Right, when you look at the B-roll here of Scott Lowe wearing it, mm -hmm. I think that looks better personally than the mm -hmm. Oculus Well, that's just because Scott Lowe is a very good looking That man. is also true. But uh, my thing mainly is, for me with Oculus Rift, I always feel like the lenses are directly on top of my eyes. I don't like that. I don't like that it's PlayStation Move. It's no. they combine it with PlayStation Move. Oh, that's well, a great idea. Yeah. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not a fan? But is the headset isn't intended to work with PlayStation? Like not a PC. PlayStation game. Four. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's intended to work with PlayStation Four. So that's interesting because at this point, Oculus has been PC only. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we asked them, you know, if they want to bring it to console someday, and they were like, "Well, oh, yeah, sure, maybe." They someday. were actually. We want to get it out the door first. Yeah. <laughs> they were pretty dismissive, actually. The in November they gave an interview and just said, "No, they didn't have any. Mm -hmm. They didn't think the consoles would be powerful enough, and since it's a static piece of hardware, and PCs are always evolving, and you know, situations can change super quickly. They could have like one positive meeting, but." Yeah, Oculus was not super interested in the console business. Well, I wonder if this means for sure now Oculus will never come to PS4. Yeah, I mean, Sony I mean has why would Sony yeah. let them? Yeah. yeah, the big thing you're talking about, you know, that you you're put off by the PlayStation, PlayStation Move. Move. Yeah, I thought we were done with that forever. Well, but it's okay. such a great use for it. Here's the thing. Remember, let's two pins in things. I'm pulling the first one out. Remember that you have <laughs> PlayStation Move in your house right now. Your DualShock 4 has a light bar. You have a PlayStation okay. Move device. Okay. In the, in the demos I was using it for, I was using a DualShock 4, and that was acting like a PlayStation Move in the mm -hmm. way of, I was in, I did one called The Deep, where I'm in a shark tank and I get mm -hmm. submerged mm -hmm. in water. And like first that off, show with Mark Cuban? No, 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 no. I wasn't, oh. I wasn't pitching products and hoping okay. that they invest. <laughs> I was actually in a shark tank going underwater. Oh. And then at that point, the that camera way more sense. is tracking the lights on Morpheus, the ones you see in the front of it and the ones in the back of it, oh, yeah. giving you 360 degrees. I was so you can, why there was... you can completely turn, and the camera then sees this in the back, so you can do a full 360, which right. I'm pretty sure you can't do on Oculus. Correct? No, you can't. That sounds so red. I haven't used the Morpheus yeah. yet. Um, and but the general feedback, like Scott's feedback and what I've heard from other people, is this is a a lot better than they expected it to be. But B, the Oculus is still like a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, that's the general consensus. But one way that the Morpheus is better is since it has those lights on the back, you can turn around and the system will recognize that right. you've done that. That and was cool to be able to. I was in the shark tank and look all the way awesome. around. The shark, and they like this. In particular, the shark comes up and like bites something off and swims around you, and so you're trying to keep track of it. But then with the dual shock in my hand, I was holding it just, uh, actually it might be me doing it, no. Uh, I'm doing like, where I'm holding it like a PlayStation Move wand just because that felt natural. Because mm -hmm. in the demo, you have a flare gun in one hand and that's it. So like, I wasn't, when I'm moving around in 360 degrees going, oh my shorts and fish. <laughs> like it made more sense just to hold it because I was holding the flare gun. So I think a PlayStation Move there wouldn't feel that weird. Also, I already have it. Is home. it using a yeah. PlayStation Eye? Like the, or it's the using PlayStation the PlayStation camera? 4 camera, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, I mean, because the problem with that, then, I mean, hopefully by the time they would distribute this, those would be like readily available. Right now, uh, there's a lot of reports. Kids have been tweeting me saying they are in stores again, that oh. they are ramped up and it, stuff. Does it require the camera? I believe. Yeah, of course. I mean, because it's tracking how, all the yeah, lights. Yeah, it has to track the lights that's on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I, mean, like I think it's a great use of the move. I mean, as a normal gaming device, as like a competitor to the Wii, you know, yeah, the moves so so. Yeah. But I mean, the problem with VR headsets is the more realistic they get, you end up with this weirdness where you look down and expect to see your hands. Right. But your hands are holding a controller, so, it's controller, so there's this weird disconnect. Like, it can never feel that well, so, real. Okay. So if your character was like holding a sword. Yeah, right. like, it's okay. awesome. Well, here's the interesting thing is we actually, after we, point, did all these, after we did all these demos, we went and had an interview with Dr. Richard Marks, who made PlayStation Move and is working on Morpheus and Shuhei Yoshida. Mm -hmm. And they talked about a, whole, a lot of stuff that we were talking about. And like, we asked them, you know, like, Move wasn't, Super well received. You know what I mean? It wasn't a colossal hit. And they said, what? They immediately said, well, actually, it did better than IGN likes to paint the picture. But yeah, oh. it was, it was it like, you know, Shuhei always gives you back the jabs. But he, Richard was talking, and he's talking about the fact that 
it doesn't work in experiences. It didn't take off the way they thought it was because you're watching a 2D screen and then trying to control exactly. something in three dimensions. But right now it fits so well. And that's what I'm saying is I didn't even think about it when I was in there. The fact that I was using this and seeing my hand in the in the in the right. game move the exact same way as it was here. Like that's why that's one of the big problems that I have with Oculus right now is that you have this incredible experience like in your face, but you're still just holding a game controller. Yeah. Like yeah, and that, I mean, that they gotta fix that. I will say that as as I've played like my the game that I've worked on with Oculus. Was it, would that be Oculus. Daylight? Yeah, Coming out it, this April. It's, it's, it supports <laughs> Oculus and and uh, and you know as I was playing it, the demo it is 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 a little bit of a disconnect at times. Yeah. Just because you are playing it, you know, like I still think it's really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Not just because it's my game. I think Oculus is rad. Like I've played. Sure, other sure, Oculus. yeah. I think Oculus. But awesome. when you're using it, there is that bit where you're like, my fingers are still controlling my like gun and my hands on mm -hmm. a mouse and a keyboard, yeah. and then my head is moving independently of that. And there is like that's never moving. Those are stationary. Mm -hmm. so, so I could see that because your hands are moving with the mask at the same time. Everything's moving, so you're much more. You always do, whenever we mimic this, we're always going. I know. Well, yeah. well because all the yeah, sure. mural footage you see, <laughs> and the first thing everyone does when they put it up, they're like, I can really just look straight up. Yeah. And yeah. So they tilt their head back. Right? Well, yeah, because you got to test it. I mean, for like a gladiator game, right? That was the thing yeah. in sports champions. Everybody thought was really cool if you could have one move and one shield, and they were like moving actually one to one, yeah. and you're in this 3D thing, and you're turning. I mean, that's what I we all wanted, even with like a Skyrim sword. No, I was gonna say even as far back as like the release game. What was the game where you had a gun and a sword? There was sword fighting. It was an Ubisoft game. Red Steel. We yeah. oh, wanted oh, okay. that in Red Steel. We thought we were going to be like gun battle. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We've wanted that. Was yeah. you were just talking about the punch out style game. Rage of the Gladiator. Yeah. 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 Sort of game. Great. So your first impression was positive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I. It's you know, PlayStation Maybe. has I think learned a lot of lessons in terms of what's worked and what doesn't, and they were very frank in the conversation we had with them that this won't be tacked onto existing games. This need, experiences need to be built from the ground up, blah, 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 or they're not going to work. And they mentioned they have a Thief demo running there as well that the Thief guys put together where it's, you put on the Project Morpheus and then you're in the Thief world around doing it. Oh, and that makes sense, but then that also kind of brings yeah. up the whole thing to me of just like, when they used to tack PlayStation Move levels onto games too, right. and you're just like, well, I don't even care. Also, about a strange game. choice to showcase. Like, Thief wasn't incredibly well received, right? Sure, but I think about you know, it's immersive like, in first. You're a first-person person PlayStation Four game that will it's easy, somewhat easy, right, to take yeah. your already existing world and tack it on. Yeah, I guess so. The real cool thing we keep talking about is the fact that they had a, a gaze vision, like the way you look. Not like trying to track a homosexual, but like yeah, it, guess, it followed your I was gaze. Make the same joke. It's a joke. Everybody come down. <laughs> but they had a gaze tracker on, and uh -huh. they showed it with Infamous. And basically, what it was is you'd be playing the game, but instead of having to ever control the other analog stick to control the camera or move it around, you use it tracked your eyeballs, and wherever your eyes went, the camera would turn and center to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I tracked, So when you were trying to shoot stuff, you would just look at that thing and hit the shoot button. It's interesting that Sony's so forward thinking like that. Like eye tracking has been common, not common, but it's been a thing on PCs for like a while. Like people experiment with it and there's startups and this and that, but it seems like one of those things that's really off limits for consoles, but now they're willing to be more experimental and consoles don't need to just be the static thing forever. Right. Like they are willing to sort of test out new stuff. I mean, they, they imagine at this point though, there's been no talk of price. Oh God, no, no. There's still. I'm just curious. Yeah. Ultimately, like what, like, because to me, that's the biggest hurdle is like sure. approachability. <clears throat> as far as like, because you have to get a big enough install base to make it worth time. That's people's the time thing. To develop right? for like, it. Yep. How many developers are going to spend time making games for it unless there's a big install base? Yeah. So it's going to be, you know, Oculus is like 450 bucks for the dev kit too. I think like 350. I mean, so they're hundreds of dollars. Yes. So like say this is an extra hundred dollars you have to buy the PlayStation camera as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's just a big investment. I don't how many PS4 owners are gonna be jumping into VR to Project Morpheus. I mean I guess depending on how Sony wants to treat it, they could potentially like 
maybe even make it a requirement. Like you want to play a game on PS4, it needs to support Morpheus. Like, like yeah, I'm, really game, I'm saying, every game will be VR. I know, I know. Well, I'm saying, but every game could support it. It's just like it has to have the option for it. Like on PlayStation systems, like every game has to support remote play. That's you know, that's sure. just a standard of PS4 games. I mean, I guess the so. thing is though, it makes the most sense for first-person games. Like we were right. brainstorming, uh, like uh, Gran Turismo. Yeah, it's an yeah. Obvious that's what I wonder. Like, what would, like what would be the killer app that would really sell PS4 owners? I feel like that. Project Morpheus. I mean, the same thing that we've seen with. Uh, you know, the one that always impresses people the most that I've seen is that Eve Valkyrie game for yeah. for Oculus, and it's like yeah. they have, they're running it on Morpheus yeah, as so well. That's, see, that see that's what I'm saying. So that one, like yeah. you know, a first-person cockpit game where now you're moving in one direction and then independently looking around to like check your six is like yeah. some stuff. The weird thing about VR is it'll never become the standard. It'll never be like the way video games are played because so many are not first-person. Like it's, that's, it's yeah. always just gonna have to be like an option. Like that's what is a little bit strange to me. Like it'll always sort of feel like a novelty in that sense. I guess um, I don't know. Like if you're not in a character's head when you're playing, when you're you know moving around in a VR environment, like I guess maybe I could. Like maybe if I saw an example, then I would get it. But as of now, I can't really picture it. I mean, I think that uh, I did at least see one Oculus demo that was not a first-person game, mm. and it was it was tech. It was like you were supposed to be an old person sitting on a couch controlling like. Puppets that were battling or something like that, and so you were still like sitting on a. I guess technically, like the perspective was first person, but the fighting was taking place yeah. in a third person thing. There's also that Oculus demo where you're watching the movie, yeah, yeah. in the theater. But that makes more sense for like when you're on a plane or something, right? You're not like, why would you do that at home? What? Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm going to the movies. Yeah, my friend texted me, "Hey, you want to come out tonight?" Sorry, got a date at the movies. <laughs> Eating your popcorn. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, like when I think of like PlayStation franchises that they could use uh, as a killer app for this. I don't know. I, I thought it, Gran Turismo, Motorstorm, Killzone, Resistance. Yeah. I, I don't know what it would be. Unless something it's something new. Yeah, it's something just new, like you were yeah. saying. I think my favorite stuff that I see on the Oculus right now is the stuff that's kind of off the wall. I really like the roller coaster demo. Mm. Like, that's not a video game, but you're first person riding a roller coaster. You're riding, you reach the peak and kind of look all around at the horizon, and then it falls. And, like, that's awesome. Like, I think there's a new category of, like, there's potential for there to be a new category of, like, interactive entertainment where it's, like, just walk around a city, like the like the Citadel. What's the demo that the Unreal demo that Epic always shows? It was off. Epic's Epic Citadel. Citadel. Yeah. Um, well, like just walking around a town like that, and there's things for you to discover and explore. And sure. I don't know, maybe there's like puzzles to solve or something like that. But it wouldn't even need to be like Skyrim. Well, it's like, like Proteus, right? Like yeah. Proteus is like a thing that some people critique because like, what do you do? You just kind of wander around and yep. make sounds and stuff. But if it, with that sort of level of yep. interactivity, I think that's, like, that's what I would like to see. Like, I'd like to see like walk around Paris. Keep with your headset on, and then yeah. it's passive and friendly, and there's not a big challenge for you. Or the Louvre. You'll never actually get to go, but now you can do right. a virtual tour. For mm-hmm. sure. That's, yeah. that's what I think makes a lot of sense for VR. So everyone's excited about Oculus. Sony seems to be serious about Project Morpheus. Does this mean, does, does Xbox need a VR headset now, too? No. Or they are, the Xbox will now be like, mm, maybe we should get Oculus yeah, working on our system. So... I mean, I don't. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how much the excitement in our industry carries over to success and sales. Now, again, we were talking to them. Like, she was very clear that you know this is wave one, and they're treating this very much like they do most of their products. Like they treat the PlayStation. This is PS one. They don't. You know, there's going to be huge strides made, but it may be a decade. It may be two decades. And when he was saying that, it was interesting to think of Move in the same light. That Move came out and was like. A fart in the wind. Nobody cared about it. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, it's part of this thing that people are excited about again. And it's in your controller already. And it's like, oh, like, they're iterating it all. It's not the stupid 
dildo with a light of a ball on the end of it anymore, but it is being iterated on. It is right. still part of their plan. They are still having doing things with it. So I don't know. Like, move didn't go away. It's in every PS4 yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, we were talking about, like, what killer app would be great for this? Well, well Uncharted didn't move Vitas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not like it's that easy to f crack yeah. this code. And it's also like, you know, we, all, we have to have great experiences on it. It's like, well, Little Deviant sucked, and that <laughs> didn't move a Vita. And it's weird. I do think in that sense, the Oculus does have an advantage, being on a PC, a platform that's wide open sure. like mm -hmm. that. You know, they're just going to slowly and steadily sell, you know, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, or however many. And then eventually they'll have this big number of Oculuses in shelves over the course of years, whereas Sony... You know the console market's different, and they really will need to like come out of the gate and like have software and hardware, and then have this like explosion of momentum if they want it yep. to work. Console accessories are so tricky. You yep. know what I mean? Like so many super scopes come and go, and it's just like that never worked and did anything. Like Microsoft did the right thing with Kinect, right? Like well, here's Kinect, and then on their next console, it's like motherfucker, here's Kinect. <laughs> it's nice it's in every like, gosh darn box. When like something like we fit even. Like blows up. Like even yeah, when yeah. I saw one of those, I was like, not a chance. But they that was a very yeah. profitable thing for them. Yeah. But you can see that it also I mean, goes the other way with something like the Udraw tablet that can mm, completely break the back. So of the maybe company. there will be. Maybe there'll be like one. Like the Wii Fit balance board was. You know, they sold tens of millions of them because of Wii Fit. And right. then there were some other games that took advantage of it. But it was really yeah. that one yeah. experience. So yeah. could there be like one VR experience that's like so like that that sells the headset like it's a I mean package? it's possible if, I mean I always, I mean I always come back to the nerdy stuff we always talk about personally I want to be I want a Superman game where I can fly around the city but then we get into the limits of how big the city are what does everybody love of Spider-Man games web slinging when it's done right if you did first person web slinging with two moves or two controllers where you're doing that that might work I don't I mean I'm spitballing here. I feel like what would get people excited about. I feel like the answer is not going to ultimately probably come from a team of 200 people. It's probably going to come from a like a company that like the guys that make Rust. Finally, you're in the Greenbrier household in PlayStation. I'm saying it's it's going to be something really silly, and it's going to be something you didn't even expect to like. But then it's something that just like. Well, they'll just pay. They'll pay Mojang 100 million dollars for Minecraft 2 exclusive to Project Morpheus. I think. Well, yeah, they would never do that. But it. They could get uh, Minecraft working on Oculus, for sure. sure. That could be a I think it already does, doesn't it? Oh, maybe. I, don't know. No, I, think, I think it's already you. Now, one of our viewers, he goes by the name of Xavier. Professor X? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has a theory that he'd like to share with us. He says, I was, I was wondering what you think about my theory. I think Valve will release Half-Life 3 completely optimized for virtual reality headsets. Here are the reasons. Valve has been waiting for real innovation in gaming. Atman Binstock used to work at Valve and now works for Oculus. Half-Life has always been a game with a very strong em emphasis on the first-person experience, and it is the only way that comes to mind how Half-Life 3 could possibly deliver on its expectations. I would love to hear your opinions on this topic. I don't feel like, I mean, just personally, I don't know that I feel like, uh, like Valve will be the ones that necessarily do it. I feel like, like Valve is a company that they understand that like, new technology is awesome. Like, but like for instance, there was a controller called a Novent Falcon. I remember there was like this really cool first-person controller. But Valve didn't go out to support the Novent Falcon, but they encouraged, if, to my, if my memory is right, they had let this company do it. They are like, yeah, make Novent Falcon worth working yeah. with our game. So I think that it could release with it, but I, I'd be very surprised if Valve were the ones that like did that themselves. Like yeah. Valve, if anything, is going to be like, we're more focused on getting Half-Life 3 to a state where we'll work on any Steam box so that you can play it with our controller. That's what jumps yeah. out at me, too, is, like, on paper, like, all of those bullet points, I'm like, yeah, that all makes sense, except, like, the key point that's missing is, like, what's in it for Valve? Why would they do that? 
That yeah. helps Oculus so much more than it helps Valve. Yeah, I mean, like, if, maybe if Gabe Newell was an investor in Oculus, sure. and you're like, okay, so there's like something there, but they're not making their own headset, and no one at Valve, to my knowledge, is like in the board for Oculus. So, like, that's what if they had their own Oculus Rift competitor that they were trying to get people to use, then suddenly that makes a tremendous amount of sense to release an exclusive piece of software for it. Everything that I've seen with Oculus is pretty slow paced too. Like, is it ready to handle like a frantic? First-person shooter yet? No. The question is, are we ready to handle it? Yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, you put it on, you're getting these five-minute demos that are yeah. easing you into it. Even yeah. in the 360-degree Shark Tank one, like I whipped my head around at one point. I was like, whoa, I was not prepared for that. Like, <laughs> I, that and that's just like the fact that you're not used to it. There's I, a lot of motion blur. Yeah. Right now. I, I definitely think that games that are made for it will have to take advantage of like, they'll have to be like I would not be surprised at all that if you ever play a game that works on a normal monitor and then also in a virtual thing and it's first person, it's fast, like a Call of Duty. Like there would probably be a setting that says, "Are you playing with a VR headset?" Oh, you are, and it'll do things like reduce head bob and stuff like that. Like they'll have to do stuff like that to help tune that down so that they can reduce mm-hmm. motion sickness. Because like you, like you're saying that roller coaster thing, I've used that before and I thought it was great, but by the end of it, I was like, "Whoa!" Sure. Like I, it was a little disorienting. All right. The Game Developers Conference is going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's always a good time to get some juicy, possibly salacious comments from people in the industry. Of course. The first GDC I ever worked, I was at a talk, uh, one of the developers on SimCity said out loud to a room full of people, the Wii one. is a piece of shit. He yeah. described it as two GameCubes tied together with duct tape. Infamous <laughs> quote. And yep. I was like, I, excuse me, I need to go to the press room. <laughs> uh, our own Colin Moriarty wrote an article this week. He was at a talk, uh, the narrative lead at Riot Games, makers of League of, League of Legends, and uh, the design lead at Microsoft Game Studios who were giving a talk on why plot is highly overrated in games. Mm. And that players typically do not remember the stories that they experience yep. in games. The thrust of their argument is uh, that developers spend too much time focusing on the third act of their game when most people will never experience it. That's mm. Well, it's the survey true. results, right? Like sure. That people surveyed could recall, you say, hey, what was this movie about? And they could tell you, that, recall the whole plot. Hey, what was this TV show about? And they could recall the whole plot. But then in games, hey, what was the plot of this game? People couldn't tell you in any detail what the plot was. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Anthony? After spending a year on the game development side of things, what's yeah, your reaction to that? I would say uh, I'll be very happy if, if a lot of people I like that were to tell me that they finished because I've, I've like talking to the people that I've worked with at the studio and stuff too, they tell me that it's very often that people don't usually play like more than like the first hour or something. Whether like they like it or not, it doesn't even matter sometimes. Yeah. It's just like they start trying, they play it for a while, and then they have to move on to something else, and they just never have a chance to come back. I mean, I think it's even indicative of like something like Diablo, which is three, which is like obviously a, a hugely popular game, right? And it's like Blizzard has said publicly that a lot of people never even beat the game on normal. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not even that long of a game. You can get through it pretty yeah. fast on normal, and it's and like the stat. You do you have the stats on the completion of games? So there's they, they, there's a survey, and part of it was the recall of plot. No one remember that. But then the, another survey question was people that or they pulled Steam stats yes. on Steam who finished games. Yeah. So yeah, we we have some stats here. I think the stats are a little strange, but we could just go through it here. First of all, I was really surprised to find that only 66% of people finished Walking Dead Season 1, Episode 1. Because those are, that's like... <laughs> that's like an hour! Yeah, that's like two hours of a game, and only 66% finished it. On the higher end of things is stuff like Mass Effect 2 and Bioshock Infinite, where people love those stories, but that's still just over 50%, like half the players. 
Yep. On the low end, like Borderlands 2, Skyrim, uh, you know, Mass Effect 3, these games were just not finished. Yep. Now, one thing I think is strange is that these are coming from Steam. And Steam is kind of a different beast from consoles, right? Like you talk about, you have however, hun- however many hundreds of games on Steam that you never even get to, now. right? It's different. Like if you have a, if you just have a PS4, yeah, I would question. I feel like you're much more likely to finish that one game that you bought this month. My one caveat with those stats would be: Are those people that started the game? Or are those people that own the game? Because I have 500 Steam games, and 300 of them I've never booted up. Mm. But if it's people that started the game and didn't finish, then you know, then I would consider that pretty legit. I would sure. be really curious to find out too, like. Uh, how many people, you know, will, will like, if it was, like, I, I'd be curious to know why they didn't finish them, I guess, too. Like, especially mm-hmm. something like The Walking Dead, with, whether it was, like, they bought it, wasn't all what they expected, and they moved yeah. on or something like that. Like Maybe they uh, can connect with characters. And why they're, and, like, I'd also be curious to know, like, something like Mass Effect 2 and 3, right, where, pe- where the completion rate was much higher. For me, like, even when I think back on it, I don't tend to remember the overarching story of the game as mm-hmm. much as I remember little vignettes that were almost sure. like episodes of a what TV show. What happens Jacob's mission? Yes, what exactly. Because that whole game is just vignettes. Yeah. Sorry, I don't like Mass Effect 2 But, but I'm just saying, like, like, the best parts are the little chunks that are like that, like the mini-episodes and those little tiny stories, the, the sort of macro story is like, eh, you know, yeah. I've never been that Well, that's what they were talking about in the speech, right, about the fact that, like, people connect with characters, but not so much yeah. as plot. They connect and, with characters, yeah. And so that, like, when you're talking about a game that is 10 hours long, I think it's easier to remember the plot of a two-hour movie. You're sitting there and watching, and it's all you're focused on. That's what I think they A video game, there. you run into a wall over and over, trying to get past this boss, this enemy, this room. You finally do, you move on. That room, you remember, and you remember this cutscene mm-hmm. you liked yep. a lot, but we're talking about it on Beyond, uh, the fact that, you know, when the story came up, I, it goes back to I think when we are, I argue with people about why I like Uncharted three better than Uncharted two, and people come up with all the time. Well, what the hell was Marlowe's? What was she gonna do with that thing that drove people crazy? And I'm like, I don't even. What does it even fucking matter? Like, <laughs> I love Nate and Sully's relationship and what they were doing in the gameplay, and yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I'm not hung yeah. up on that. But in a movie, it would be you know how many times you sit around a movie. And talk well, about how much like if we were watching Uncharted as a movie, like the first Uncharted, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, ah, oh, this is really cliched and stupid and yeah. stuff like that. But like at the same time, the dynamic between those two characters is so funny and like good and like charming that it's just like in a game experience it it just works like differently than it does but yeah yeah i mean it's hard telling a story in a game is hard like if you were writing an uncharted movie you wouldn't write a line that was and then you watch nate try to get out of a burning building for 10 minutes and he couldn't figure out where to go (laughs) well that's the thing maybe that's why something like gone home works as well as it does because all they went with is the story yeah it's it's, it's a game that I mean, not, not that there are, there are obviously video game elements to it, like, you know, you aren't going to be able to progress through this until you do sure, this, sure, this, sure, and that, sure, right? Sure. There's very gamey parts to it, but the game is the story. I mean, like, and, I mean and I like, like, so they, all they do is the story, just like a film does. It exactly. Is, it is just a story. Movies are so, like, every single, like, they'll shave seconds in the editing room to make you feel a specific way, and camera angles perfectly tuned to, hmm. you know, make you feel tense or make you laugh, like the timing of jokes. And in games, the player's in control. The p- people that made the game isn't in control, so it's, it's a challenge. Like, you kind of, like, you can have really effective voice acting. You can tell a story through your environment, like, uh, Irrational's always so good at that. Yeah, but uh, it's it's not the same. Like I think in many ways, in terms of purely communicating a story, like just a point A to point B story, I feel like in a lot of ways it's an inferior medium to like movies where you have complete control over every element of it. Yeah, and I think like to, again, like uh, you know, obviously this is IGN's a place that loves Gone Home. I love Gone Home, mm-hmm. but it's like a, uh, 
I think one of the things that Gone Home does that, that's very good is as far as like being able to tell stories that there's no like direct fail condition. Right. Sure. And so therefore, you you're never thinking about the fact like, ah, if I mess this up, this choice, or if I don't find this thing in five minutes, I'm going to die. Yeah. So it's like, it's like yeah. you were saying, right? Movies can craft experience where they know like, right now we want you to feel sad. Gone Home can do that too because they know that like, yeah. like Uncharted may be trying to do that. They'd be like, man, we really want the player to feel betrayed right now. But for all they know, you're dealing with the fact that you want to break your controller because the last encounter was mm -hmm. just awful mm -hmm. to you. It's hard. It's you distracting. Know? Like the gameplay, um, you know, gameplay is everything in a video game, but it does distract from the story. Like while you're maybe supposed to be thinking about one thing, you're getting shot from this direction, and so your attention is diverted over here. Like yeah. it's just tough. Like there's always has to be. I mean, you look at Metal Gear and what a train wreck Metal you know, Gear. The, the story is. You know, from one to four, and how they. Have to do it because they want to give you this game that you're, you know, that is has beautiful bosses and different levels, and this is happening, and yeah. you have to fight all these different guys. So nobody's flushed out correctly, and then you got the lale lulu though. Yeah, I do like that. <laughs> lack of a failure state is uh, like I loved Beyond Two Souls, and I don't feel like anybody else at IGN did. Was, I liked it. It was one of my favorite games of last year, and I totally it never even crossed my mind. I got through the whole game before someone's like, "Yeah, there's no game over. You can't lose." And I'm like, "Oh, I never even like thought about it. I was just so invested in like." The moment to moment, like, you know, her story and what was happening on screen that it didn't even cross my mind that you can't, there's no game over. Um, and that's another game, though, that, like, to me is like the overall story is like fine, it's whatever. But again, little tiny, like, vignette moments are like what makes it so special. Like, I remember particular scenes more than the overall game that were like really impactful with me. So just looking at the quote, plot is highly overrated in games, I'm tempted to agree with that, actually. I don't, you know, if a game tells me a great story, I appreciate that. I think it's great. I was moved by the end of Half-Life 2, Episode 2. Oh, yeah. But when I s sit down to play a video game, I'm not thinking, I'm sitting down to get a good story. I'm sitting, I'm sitting down to have fun playing a the game. The story's I, an excuse to take you from, like, set piece to set yeah. piece. I mean, like, for instance, Titanfall, right? Titanfall has a campaign, and it's like, you know, it's like they insert story things over the multiplayer gameplay sure. and stuff, but... Like, I play it and I don't care about any of that because all I care about is that I'm having a fun dropping gigantic awesome robots on things and shooting but things But for the most part, doesn't it come down to what you want in that moment and that's what video games get to offer because they're so diverse? Like, I always say that I'm a story horror. Like, I love story in my games and I, I'm one of the people who love plot and, like, you know, like, Infamous Second Son's up now and, like, you know, one of the things in there is, like, the story's not great and, like, some kid came at me on Twitter even though I didn't review it is like, this is the problem with critics. You all care so much about story and none of us do. And I'm like, well, we say the gameplay's fun but, like, I do want a great story in this kind of game whereas a movie or a book, it's all about... I mean, sure. I guess there's, you know... Idiots like Alex Solomir are like, man, Transformers, there's this awesome explosion, I got a beard. But for the most part, like, you go to a movie expecting a good story, so clearly you're more invested in the plot there. Also, that kid shouldn't speak for everyone. There are plenty of people that I see on comments all the time that are like, a story is what mattered to me more than right, anything. Right, right, right. I think I, the devil's advocate argument would be, like, the question is, is it, like, which comes first? Like, do people not recall stories because the stories just aren't that great? Like, you know, if you're a really, really talented story maker, maybe you're writing a book or maybe you're writing screenplays yeah. and not writing games. Yeah. And that's totally unfair to, like, all the people that are writing stories in games. But, like, it does beg the question, right? Like, a lot of game stories are just, like, Space Marine junk. Like, sure. you know, it's an excuse for the gameplay. It's an excuse to shoot the guns, and, like, that's where the emphasis is. Right. I mean, I think there's also a difference, too, is, like, when a movie's made, a director has a vision, and they're often able to see it through, right? And sure. they're not necessarily limited by a lot of technological things, depending on the type of movie sure. they're making. Whereas in games, like, I know that, like, so you'll sit down, and you'll sit down with the person that wrote this awesome story, and they'll be like, man, this is what I wrote. And you'll be like, you'll approach it, and you'll come to it, and you'll be like, 
that's going to be a 12-minute cutscene, which is going to cost a ton of money. We can't do that. Just, just no time. All right, so what if we just turn that into audio logs? Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's what ends up happening. <laughs> so there was like a cool story that made, made, might have made this game like intensely emotional, yeah. but time and budget just cut it out, and so it became something that yeah. only like one one-hundredth of the audience is going to You're serving a lot more masters when you're making a game instead of just like the master, the story master. <laughs> <laughs> Master. Master. <laughs> but it's like gameplay's first in most games, right? And so that just means by definition the story's gonna take a back seat. Sure. Uh okay. It's that time of year when Christmas? Nope, not oh. that time of year. Oh. Yep. That time of year when the new Assassin's Creed game tends to be announced. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah. And before the announcement comes the leak. All right. Yes. The leak is what we got this week. Uh Kotaku had images of two games, one Codenamed Unity, one codenamed Comet. One meant for current gen consoles, one meant for last gen. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, Assassin's Creed is an annualized yeah. series at this point. We were fully expecting to get an Assassin's Creed this year, but what do you guys think about getting two different games, one for last gen consoles? So, Ubisoft has a precedent of this. They did Splinter Cell Double Agent, was two completely different games on the Xbox and the yeah. Xbox 360, and, you know, that gen and the next gen. Um, sure, of course that was... But they were still called Double Agent. Yeah, that's Years the ago. Yeah, but that was the last generation we had. I sure, mean, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, other companies will do ports. Like, you have Thief hitting both consoles, and, uh, you know, a lot of EA stuff is, you know, Titanfall is hitting both consoles. Um, Ubisoft is one of the only companies that will just do separate games straight up. Um, You know, they called it the same thing. Double Agent was a little bit of a special case, but this isn't completely unprecedented. Um, They do have a history of, of, uh, you know, not really half-assing it and doing doing two different games on both consoles. Yeah, well, and not only that, but you've seen them do, like, uh, like... You know, whether it's like licensed games and stuff like that, like the PSP version of like oh, this game yeah. is like totally different than, sure. you know, so th- I think that there is totally a chance that, I mean, they could both be good in their own right, right? They already have an engine that they know works on 360 and PS3, and they've been working on it for like several years now. The weird so. thing will become, uh, in the case of Double Agent, the last, the older game was the better one, and the next gym one was yeah. inferior. And so then it was like, ah, oh, like if you're a fan of that franchise, like what do you do? Like do you get the one with the fancy new graphics for your new console? Or do you get the old one? That really is probably the better game. Um, so that could be weird with Assassin's Creed. Like I hope you don't get into a funky situation like that, or a situation where you feel like you have to play both. Like if one leads into That's the other. So like, say they're they're both good. We play both of them. That's well. That's the best case scenario for Ubisoft. Probably what they're hedging their bets on too. They're like, ah, oh, we can sell two games this year. Yeah, if they're different. They're both. Yeah. They're both good, and they're both different. Yeah, it's not too much Assassin's Creed. What if they sell complementary stories? I mean, we're kind of in uncharted waters. Yeah, I mean, they, they, figure, they have the fan base, right? I have a friend back home yes. who owns a PS3 and only plays Assassin's Creed on it. Pretty much every yeah. year, he goes out and buys those games. So if those, if to double down on that and maybe push him to buy a next-gen system, which is good for them, great. For me personally, I'll, ha- I'll probably just play one and only for a little bit. Like, I still have, <laughs> I love Assassin's Creed 4. Like, I love that game, and I am not even close to Open world game. games are a hard thing for me to finish now. Right? Yeah, I yeah. actually am one of those people that... It was we look at the people that don't finish games. Like yeah. I started Black Flag and I was super into it. Yeah. Played like eight hours and then yeah. I was like something else happened. Yeah, exactly. It was one of those things. I played it for an entire. I played all these little bits during Christmas break and then I got a weekend to play it. And I was like, oh man, I'm clearing every island. I'm doing so well. And I zoomed out and I'm like, there are a lot of islands. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I gotta play something else on break and then I played DC Universe online for another forty hours. I, I loved Black Flag. I did. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. I yeah. almost hundred percented it. Yeah. I eventually gave up, but I got close. Uh, uh. Um, so the best case scenario here, uh, or the worst case scenario here, would be, yeah, that you need to buy both these games, that they each tell half a story, and Ubisoft's just trying to get $120 out of you. Yeah. Um, 
But the best case scenario would be exactly like your friend that only has a PS3. You know, they still want to deliver him an Assassin's Creed experience because there's, you know, 100 million last-gen consoles yeah, out there. Yeah, they want him but, to deliver $60. Right. But then they don't... So the, instead of just doing a port, they have it be the same game. They want it to be separate games so the next-gen version can just be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, they mm-hmm. don't want it to be held back. Yeah. Um, so that's really the best-case scenario, in my opinion. Um, instead of making the same game on both versions, just, yeah, let's go absolutely balls to the wall with the next-gen version and not be limited by the last-gen. I mean, yeah, it would be tough if you were trying to do it for both. I imagine there would be... A lot of restrictions they would have to. I mean, like they like with this last one, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they if they had made a, an Assassin's Creed strictly for PS4, they probably could have done like higher actor counts, like 100 and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you look, you play, I play Black Flag on the PS4, and it looks great. It's but the other one looked great too. Yeah. Like, it's it's clearly just an upraised version of that. Sure. Right. So that's what I hope. You know, uh, op- if I'm being optimistic, that's what I hope their thought process was: was hey, we can't ignore the last gen consoles yet, but we don't want the next gen version to be held back. Let's just do two separate games. And I hope it's not a hundred and twenty dollar cash grab. Well, Unity is apparently at least partially set in eighteenth century Paris. That's the next gen one. Right? Yeah. yeah. What? Well, the current gen one. Oh yeah. yeah excuse me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what What do we think about that setting? That sounds cool. Do you like that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, French Revolution's awesome, man. That's a great idea oh, for this. Lots of people oh, be having their heads chopped oh, off. We oui, oui. oui. so French, man. <laughs> 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 it's, it's a beautiful Croque city. Let's, yeah, I just feel like, like Black Flag was something really different for the, you know, the series. Sure. It, it felt very different. It will in probably some, some ways be a, a return yeah. to that, right? Je m'appelle Kenway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys are on board for a... You're, it's it's fair that it does return to that sort of Euro-centric. Yeah, like, Black Flag like did have such a good vibe too. to it that it's a shame to abandon that. But you know, we'll be I, back. That's the thing. They keep going around, bouncing around in different things. Yeah. It's a great setting. I, I do assume that we would lose the sailing, um, which was awesome, and that's a little bit of a shame. France has a coast. I don't know. They, that's true. Maybe one of them is, uh, is more Black Flag. Because uh, they were, I don't know, Ubisoft was distributing that poll asking people, like, do you like the pirate... Mechanics uh, in this game? Would you play another game that was solely about there's pirates? There's no way they could so. spin up a whole game like that in a year. I don't know. Maybe if they just use all the same assets sure. and just sort of like create new missions. I mean, they already have that ocean-like yeah. tech and stuff that they've done. So that'd no. be badass. So maybe Black Flag Two or another pirate game is the 360 PS3, and then the then they take the series to the French Revolution for next gen. Mm. That would make them feel really different. Yeah. If that comes to pass, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com. Why does it make you so mad? It's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Michael Baker did. He says, quick question. Do you think one-off games are dead? It seems like everything is a franchise now. Mm-hmm. Even Ubisoft has told us Watch Dogs is basically a franchise, and the first game isn't even out yet. Even Slender got a sequel. He says, SMH. What does that, what does that stand for? Shaking uh, my head. Shaking my head. So I don't think everything is necessarily a franchise. I do think that when a publisher invests $100 million in something, they want it to grow into right. a franchise. Right? You build this engine, you want to use it yes, on something Yes, they want to see a return on their investment, you know, whether it's like something like GTA, which we're seeing, right? That, that was made because and invested a huge amount of money because they wanted it to be a franchise. And now it is a franchise, and you will see it for as long as they continue to see a return on their investment. Yeah, it's like, like, isn't it, it seems pretty simple, right? Do you... Do you want to get $60 from a gamer one time? Or do you want to get $60 from a game like every year, every couple yeah. years? Sure. I mean, it's I just mean, money. Like when you have a hit, you return to what works. I don't think one-off games are dead. I just think they're, yeah, we're talking, we're always talking about the spectrum between independent and AAA, right? And I think one-off games are more likely to end they're up. They're like the $10 million games and stuff like that and less. 
Like yeah, saying, yeah like, independent, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you look at games, even, right? You, yeah. you look at like Drinkbox, right? And they, they, they did like Mutant Bob's Attack. And I mean, there was another Blobs game, too, don't get me wrong. But then there's Guacamelee, and then maybe they move on to something else. Or like and, Clay. Like Clay, who does like, like Mark of the Ninja. And then right. their new game, right, like right, Spy right. Party? Spy Spy? Uh, I can't uh, think what it's called. Counter Spy? I forget. Um, Spy me once. Spy versus spy? Either way, they're doing a spy game, but they also did Shank, which there was a sequel to Shank, granted, but, but they, they tend start. to mix it up. Like, yeah, and they yeah, did yeah. Don't Start, which all these wildly different things. So yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, obviously, like, even them, I'm sure if they had a game that sold, you know, 100, like, like 100 million, but like 20 million copies, sure. they'd gladly make a second one if people would buy that. Like, every yeah. studio would like yeah. to have something that they know fans want more of. Yeah, you, you know, want to find something fans want. Coming up with a new idea and hoping that it does well is a very scary thing, especially for a smaller studio that's like, well, hopefully this doesn't break our bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so. a lot easier to do on a smaller scale. Like, the realities of AAA game development are that, uh, you know, you they're risk-averse. And they have to be risk averse because these game have these games have to hit aggressive. They have targets. investors. Yeah. So, yeah. if you have something that hits, you have to return to it over and over again. You don't really have a choice. But that's not to say the, one thing that I like that Nintendo does. Uh, Miyamoto is a quote I might have talked about it on GameScoop before that I love, which is that he was responding to people accusing Nintendo of hitting Mario and Zelda over and over again. He's like, yeah, but that's just like the name on the box. The gameplay yeah, yeah. is totally different. Like because it's Mario, it's guaranteed to sell. You know, this and this is obviously very much paraphrasing. But he's obviously. like, because it's Mario, it's guaranteed to be. You know, like, look, look, bro. Yeah, this is how it is. So like Mario Galaxy is the <clears throat> like it's a basically a new franchise that happens to you have Mario as your playable character and you have Goombas and you have that music. But otherwise, it's a completely new thing. Yeah, yeah. and they do the same thing with Zelda, and that's what like. You know, Call of Duty is an example of a game that's maybe doing it the wrong way of just a sequel every year. Whereas, sure, Nintendo's been doing Mario for 30 years, but it reinvents itself. Right. It's, it's, so we just saw some B-roll of Mario Golf. Is that out? No, no it's coming yet. out. And I'm really excited. Oh, okay. Oh, I, okay. Well, because right now, right now, I just saw that and I was like, yeah. I'm going to get up and go to a GameStop right now. <laughs> I cannot wait. Is when is that coming out? I think gosh. it's in May. Oh, my gosh. Can we, yeah, can we just, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Mario, Mario, Mario Golf. Insane, I bet Mario Golf on, like, GBA was, like, my yeah. jam. I yeah, know, I know. Oh, for uh, me, it was GameCube. But yeah. On GameCube as well, yes. Yeah, we're getting that and Mario Kart. Like, uh, they're both going to be well. I mean, I'm on board. This is why games are franchises. Like, we, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We're <laughs> totally excited about Do you guys know what the 10 best-selling video game franchises of all time are? Ghost House? Yes. It's, that's it. That's the 10 best. <laughs> franchises. Franchises. Call of yeah. Duty. Well, Call of Duty, yes. You think say, Call of Duty's number one? Pokemon no, number I don't think one. Call of Duty's. Oh, yeah. Mario. I don't think Call of Duty's Mario, number one. Mario Pokemon. Pokemon. Is Mario a franchise? Is that what do you think is number one? It's not Call of Duty. It's Mario. Okay, it is Mario. Mario is the number one. Yeah. Pokemon is number two. So, and then Call of Duty, I'm going to say, is in the top five, but it's not. You might be surprised what number three is. You Actually, you'll never guess it. I'll have to tell you. SSX. It's Wii, like the Wii uh, series Wii of games. Fit, Wii Fit, uh, Wii Sports, uh, Wii Party. Yeah. Okay. So Nintendo has the top three best-selling video game franchises. Wow. Sure. Yeah. Number four is The Sims. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me, because those expansions always kill it, even if we don't think about it. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Five is GTA. Oh. Six, I think it's surprising, is Need for Speed. That is surprising. That is incredibly That's surprising. Hugely surprising, but they have made like literally twenty-five. Of I mean, them. yeah, I think it's just there's a lot of them. To sure, buy but I mean, that's old. that's a, you talk about a franchise that's been annualized and is still around. Like, man, more of those have probably come out than Call of Duties. How did they know you were going to talk about this game? <laughs> this is Hot Pursuit, and I love Hot Pursuit was so really good. good. At this job, yeah. everybody. Seven is Tetris. 
Nice. You know, I mean, a long-running game that's been on every system. Sure, but I feel like when was the last time I bought a Tetris game? PS3. You didn't buy the PS3 version? Oh my god, it was so good. Online multiplayer was dynamite. They're bringing they're bringing one to PS4. I don't care if it doesn't support. I don't care if it doesn't support Morpheus though. Yes, Tetris was. They're crushing you. <laughs> their children are there, their blocks are coming down, and you can disappear. So eight is Call of Duty, nine is Final Fantasy, and number ten is FIFA. Oh, wow, I'm actually surprised the that FIFA football. Wasn't. Or like Madden, I'm surprised Madden isn't up in there. Uh, FIFA's way FIFA's a worldwide the world. phenomenon. Yeah, say. yeah, Madden's just the US. Read my mind, bro. Mm. Give me a pound. Bam. <laughs> Show me Ransky's baby. <laughs> <laughs> No. One more uh, email this week. This is from Josh, aka AKA Fraudneed. 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 Smiley Emoticon. Josh Fraudneed Smiley Emoticon. <laughs> He's really depressed. Uh, it's like he needs a satellite like you have in Seattle. Yeah, those are legit, by the way. Satellites? Yeah, seasonal affective disorder. You know, like for people who don't get enough sunlight. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I like bought, everyone here. I bought yeah. one of those. Well, you guys have skylights and stuff. My office is very dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's because artists like to keep it dark. Sure, I mean, yeah. they don't want screen glare and they're doing uh, a lot of intense art. And so I have a, a sad light. And so it's like, you know, it's just like fakes vitamin D type oh, cool. stuff. Mm. So. You feel better with it? Yeah, I like it. It, it keeps me awake. It's a happy too. light. I know. I don't sure. know. They call it a sad Mine's light, actually called happy light on the light. I know. So, oh, there's Mike Rancy's baby. Way too late. <laughs> now, it, it would, it's only impressive now if a satellite comes in. <laughs> that's Mike Aransky's happy was, life. Was, uh, yeah, uh, that's maybe what I need in my life. I don't need a, a baby or life. Mike Aransky's baby. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. Or Mike Aransky. Uh, Either you, one. If things are not cheap. going well for you, have a baby and that will solve it all, all your problems. Yeah. yeah, of course. At least three children. Sure. Yeah. True. Okay. Anyway, Josh says. What do you guys think about the few amount of boss fights in games these days? Thank God. That's I, I love say. it. Wait, yes. you love the, the few amount? Yeah. yeah. He says a lot of this seems to stem from new technologies in video games, increasing the ability to deliver a stronger narrative, thus making the inclusion of a boss fight unnecessary or out of place. Are boss fights really dying, or is it because we have such a diverse library of games available? Boss fights can be fun. Sure. But I think they work more in like a game that's like... Uh, old Contras and stuff like that, right? Where that's what the game was. Like, it was a bullet hell game, and then it came to a boss, and it was about being challenged by that boss. Right. Whereas, like, by the time you beat something like maybe Arkham Asylum, like, remember you played that and you got to the yeah. final boss fight, yeah. and you're just like, ah. what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. you're just like, yeah. like, it didn't feel, it wasn't satisfying in that same way because the game wasn't following that dynamic of grind your way through a level, fight a crazy hard boss. Grind your way through yeah. a level, fight a crazy hard boss. And yeah, so it yeah. just felt like it feels like a vestige left over from, like, you know, that you're like, I guess we have to have, it's, it's like an easy, it's an easy way to do a climax. Like, sure. for climax, we have to give you a really hard spike at the end. Yep, yep, like, yep, yep. I don't know, that's not necessarily satisfying to me. Like, I thought it was much better when I played, I think it was Gears 3, where it's like, two, the, 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 you're, you're in like yeah. a helicopter, and it's like, and, and, and yeah, two, and like, that wasn't like a real boss fight, it wasn't hard, it, it was very It was easy. the opposite of a boss and, fight. And, yeah, and it was like, you just basically were along for the ride, whereas in Cures 1, there was like a very typical boss fight, and I just thought that was more annoying than anything else. We always talk about it, right, they just, I don't understand why developers feel the need to leave, here's the last thing you'll ever have from our game, and it's just totally frustrating, hard bosses of us trying to make you feel like you've overcome something great, when really yeah. I just want to ride off into the sunset, sure. right? and there are games where that works, right? Yeah. Like, like, whether it's Contra, but also Dark Souls. Dark Souls is a yeah. game that, that, yeah, that totally. is what 
people want. You want yeah, to grind through those that. things and then get to that freaking boss that's going to surprise you. But like you're talking about with like Batman games, right? Like I always loved the penguin fight where you just walk up and punch the penguin in the face and it's over. Or Killer Croc where it's about hiding yeah. from right. and stuff. Yeah. Right, like right, that's, right, like right. that's a smart way to do it that feels very grounded in the universe you're trying to do. Yeah. Right? Well, they often have to, you know, in order to make them challenging and, uh, you know, memorable, they have to change the mechanics the so they have to put some sort of wrinkle on <laughs> <laughs> He beat alcoholism. He beat alcoholism. <laughs> 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 The best, uh, the best boss fight I can think of in recent memory is Portal 2, the end of Portal 2. Sure. sure. Oh, and, that's and, an awesome one. Yeah. And, and again, because it's like so much story-driven yeah. stuff to it as well, and it's charming. It retains, like, it doesn't, like, do a 180 on you. Like, uh, you know, like other games, you're like, where did this come from? It feels very out of place. Yeah, but yeah, Portal, yeah. it was, like, still super Portal. Like, yeah. it still had the puzzle elements yeah. that you expected. You weren't all of a sudden doing, like, first-person shooting. That right, that's what I was trying to like, say. Is so many change the mechanics at the very last moment because I don't know because they feel like they have to, and yeah. then it's this weird, out of place thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Or they throw in a quick time event at the end, like Tomb Raider. Kind of, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Doesn't really work for me. Yeah, but the get, games, you know, in the old days used to be totally. They were structured totally different. They were divided into levels, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, what do you, the, is the level just going to end? Right. Like, it should have a climax. Right? Yeah. And then yeah, that, yeah, just, that makes just sense. Makes sense. Now yeah. they're not divided into levels. It's a big open world, like uh, Assassin's Creed. For Black Flag, it's just like, yeah. You know, the only indication you got that you finished something is like a, a, a screen comes up and it's like, good job, you finished the mission. Why are they called bosses? Do all the other do all the other minions like report to them? Yeah. So like, yeah. The Koopa Troopers they're report the, to they're King the, Koopa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Colloquial. What's the hierarchy? Like, is the level two boss in charge of the level one boss? Oh no no no! I think they're independent contractors. Yeah, they all. You have your one boss. They're like you have your boss, and then yeah, you have the lines coming up to them that yeah. are all in charge of their own world or their own level. Yeah. So, but all the bosses report to the end boss. Right? Yeah, mm. but they don't report to each other. It's level like one's boss doesn't report the president, to level the governors. Two. Level one reports to the big boss. Level two reports to the big senators boss. report to the president type thing. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think that's... Do they report to the president? I mean, no. you know. <laughs> Maybe the president of the Senate. There's no president of the Senate. Isn't that the vice president? Yeah. It is in his title, president of the Senate. I saw House of Cards. Me too. <laughs> wow. I wonder if they have American education. Yep. Do they, right, do they have performance reviews? Like, like you led a few It's called many. voting. I'm talking about video game bosses. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but what about, so like the Koopa kids, is that their dad? Like is it it's just a family? So basically you're just fucking up this family? Yeah. yeah. Well, there have been Mario family. games where you killed Bowser's children. Princesses. I don't even remember. So were the kids involved in the kidnapping? They're supporting they were supporting that? They were. Like, are you just getting, you're just coming they're out all, of it? They're all, I mean, they're all, I mean, they're, they're I'll kids get your from kids. a single family. They want a mom. They yeah. want to see Bowser I mean, the very have least. a mom that they can help govern the children. So who's mom? Who's mom Bowser? Where, how do, she where do died those kids in a tragic accident. That yeah, was giving, all caused by Mario and Luigi. And giving birth. No, but <laughs> they now screwed up a, plum, a plumbing pipe. It leaked out on the street. She slipped on her sure. back and got hit. <laughs> and I mean, just fucking plowed through by a drunk Koopa Troopa. <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of the Toadstool Kingdom people. Yeah, a Toad. Now That's I want to. Now I want to know if there is like a canonical Mario mom. To all these kids. Burno. I was thinking about the, the fact that you wear that tanuki suit and stuff, and raccoons kill and eat turtles all the time. So I was just picturing Koopa Troopers running in terror when they see you, because you're basically coming at them looking like a werewolf that's there to murder them. Yeah. <laughs> Mario. Tearing off their shells, oh, and, like no. pulling the guts out. And then throwing the shell at the next guy in line. You're next. Like, really I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> it's you kill someone and then throw their skull to kill someone else. <laughs> Well, games are fucked up. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, it doesn't sound like we missed boss fights that much. No. Anyway. 
Because they have they have games. a place. Yeah, they're still yeah, there in a lot they of. It can be games. done well, but yeah, yeah. I think that's all the scoops we have for everybody this week. Thanks for joining us, Anthony. I'm really glad you could be oh here. Oh my god, it was the best. Highlighted GDC. Uh, do, you want, do you want to take this moment to announce you're moving back to San Francisco? Or? I wish I was. Uh, <laughs> for, now, for now, I gotta stay where the sad lights live. So, always right here. You guys are always with me too. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Greg. My name is Damon. This is iGen Games Goof, and we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.